All right. Next, I'm going to introduce our speaker for today. We're all very familiar with him. He comes here once a quarter, uh, I think, at a minimum. Uh, he's our conference president. In fact, today, he'll be preaching to all the churches uh, at the same time. And uh, this is actually something that we might move toward, that we'll share resources and we'll bring cluster up to work together more and support each other more in our initiative. Um, this is only the, the first time where we're going to all be broadcasting the same sermon together, um, but it may become a norm in the future. We don't know. We don't know. Um, but I'll be preaching next week and uh, the week after will be uh, another guest that I will save the introduction for next week. Uh, we are all very familiar with him and we all know him, but we haven't heard him preach before. And, but also that on top of that, there's also some collaborative work that we're working with the clusters. Uh, ASDAC, Maranatha, and Jurong English Church are working together as... The cluster work is really not good. I'm not going to use the cluster work. As a group. As a group, and we are, we're, we're coming together, pastors are coming together to, to do some interesting things that are going to be available to all of you. You all know that I do morning devotions on Tuesday and Thursday. There's going to be a new segment on Tuesday evening. Uh, it's like a current affairs program where the pastors will come together and will discuss the latest news of the day and how to see it from a spiritual perspective. So tune in next Tuesday to our Facebook page for the morning devotion, of course. And in the evening, I will, I will tell you the time. It's probably going to be 7 p.m. The devotion is available 7 a.m. The current affairs program is going to be a, available, a short one, not a half an hour one, a short one at 7 p.m. But right now, I'd like to prepare, ask you to prepare your heart as we go into the sermon by our pastor, Johnny Khan. Good morning. Very happy Sabbath to all of you. The virus has affected all of us. International borders have been closed. Airports are virtually empty. Entertainment, schools, religious organizations, and businesses are shut. The word unprecedented is used repeatedly in the media to describe the severity of the different situations. The other day, while I was driving, I heard from the news that the WHO predicted that the pandemic will reach biblical proportion. They use Bible terms to describe the severity of this global crisis, probably in reference to Noah's flood. Some are comforted that this stay-home movement that they could have more time with family members. In contrast, others felt that they have been afflicted with the idiosyncrasies and mannerisms of other family members who are driving them up the wall. Some parents have never spent so much time together with their children and they are enjoying those moments together. While other parents are lamenting that it is hard to provide attention to kids on a 24-7 basis. Some married couples are finding that this all they stay home together is an opportunity to bring healing to their marriages. While others are finding that this prolonged stay-home effect amplifies the faults and the fault lines of their relationships. Some who are staying alone are battling with isolation. And many breadwinners are concerned about the economic ramifications and possible unemployment even in the near future. Two weeks ago when we have the Let's Pray program, a live prayer meeting that is held on every Thursday night organised by the Hope Channel Singapore. A nine-year-old girl requested that we will pray for her because she was feeling so stressed with her schoolwork and to reduce the anxiety at her home so that she could go to sleep at night peacefully. So even kids are not spared. A lot of times, people ask this question in the midst of this global virus pandemic. Where is God? 
God is not the author of sickness, virus, and pandemic. Briefly, if you go back to the creation week, everything that is created, not only is good, but God said it is very good. But because of sin, there is a separation from God and we are separated from the source of goodness. And Satan, the evil one, has weaponized sickness, disaster, famine, and all natural catastrophes to discredit God. So whenever there is goodness, there is God. God is with the frontliners, with the medical doctors and nurses helping those patients who are infected with COVID-19. He is with the policemen, the security guards, the ambulance drivers, the food deliverers that's bringing food to your home, the teachers that are doing home-based learning to their kids at home, helping them to learn from their schoolwork, the taxi or grab drivers who are fetching tired medical workers from the respective hospitals back to their homes, and the caterers providing sufficient meals to many of our foreign workers who are now confined to their dormitories. So whenever there is goodness, there is God. There are many unsung and unseen heroes. I just want to show you a minute of the video, a record of some of the efforts that the Singapore Adventist Church right here is doing to help our communities in times of this crisis. If you feel troubled with the current situation, you are not alone. If you have doubts about the future, questioning your faith, and wonder what might happen to you, to your family, to your work, to even your church, I want to borrow a page this morning from the book of Esther to encourage and inspire us to have our faith in God. The book of Esther is written some 500 years before the birth of Christ in the context of a very challenging situation where life and death matters. The capital city, Jerusalem, had been conquered by the Babylonians some 100 years earlier. And now they were ruled by the Persians, 
Some of the Jews had become prisoners of war. Others were exiled to different uh, parts of the empire. This is commonly known as the Jewish diaspora. They have lost their homes. They are now settled in new places and scattered to different communities. They have lost their privilege to gather regularly to worship at the Temple of Jerusalem at those significant religious festivals. Very often, their lives are in the mercies of their captives. Lots of suffering descended upon the Jewish people. Because of this diaspora among the Jewish community, many of the Jews thought that God has withdrawn His presence among His people. So the scholars and the rabbi came together and they thought to themselves, how many people would be needed at a minimum that God would descend upon their communities. So they came up with a number 10. And so they said, as long as there are 10 adults together, they will form a place of worship. It is known as the synagogue, equivalent to our churches. There's only one temple, the temple of Jerusalem. But remember what Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 20, and I think it's very appropriate to us in this time of this homestay movement. He says, it's not 10, it's not 5. So when two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in their midst. So if you are alone today, take heart. God is with you. You know, the story of Esther um, is in this Old Testament context because her Hebrew name is known as Hadassah, but her Persian name is known as Esther, which means the star. This book is unique in two points. Number one, the name, the word God is not mentioned throughout the entire book. But when the reader reads the book of Esther, God is the main character. Number two, this story is read each year in the Feast of Purim. Purim is one of the religious festivals in the Jewish holidays. It's to commemorate that the Jewish people living in Persia at that time were saved from extermination by the courage of one young Jewish woman called Esther. Now, in the context of Esther, there is a king, the Persian king, King Xerxes. He's the son of King Darius in the Persian Empire. He had a very strong and aggressive military that helped to expand his kingdom territory. It is huge. It stretches from India all the way to Ethiopia in the African nation, with 127 provinces scattered and a population of 50 million people. At that time, it's a huge empire. One night, the king threw a party and amid all the drunken generals and court officials, the king summoned his wife, Queen Vashti, to parade before the king and his friends. She refused to be obedient to the command of the king and she was almost disposed immediately. Now, this king in history is well known for his bad temper. Uh, he was furious, for example, once with water because the storm in the sea had delayed his naval fleet for conquest. Herodotus, the Greek historian, said the king Circe sent soldiers, imagine this, into the water with ribs, demanding that they slash the oceans 300 times for his insubordination. Now, this is irrational rage. Four years had passed and uh, there was no queen. Why? Because King Xerxes was busy invading other nations. So finally, his court officials came and said, you need, you need a wife, you need a queen to manage your household. So they called in a beauty contest to choose the most suitable lady uh, in the entire Persian Empire uh, to be he, uh, his queen. And so Esther appears on this scene. Esther was raised by Mordecai after her parents died, Mordecai was her uncle, was more like a stepfather. She was a God-fearing lady and was beautiful. 
the king's officials gathered the most beautiful woman uh, throughout the country to be chosen by the king. Josephus, the Roman historian, said that 400 ladies were taken to the palace. Uh, they were groomed almost for a year before they had an audience with the king. Can you imagine? One year of beautification. They were to look as beautiful as possible, to smell as good as possible. They would use incense, perfume, cosmetics to enhance their skin and improve their hair. As the story goes, Esther outshone the rest of the ladies and uh, she obtained grace and favour in the eyes of King Sussis. And the royal crown was conferred upon her and she was made to be the queen of the Persian Empire. Just think for a moment. She was a Jewish orphan, a child of the exile people, but exalted to the highest position that any woman could have in the entire world at that time. If you think this story is about beauty contests, I think you have missed the point. Throughout the story of Esther, there is a power at work providentially, orchestrating God's purposes for His people. Significantly, throughout the entire process, uh, Esther has kept her Jewishness a secret because her uncle Mordecai had told her that there was much Jewish, anti-Jewish sentiment throughout the Persian Empire. And in the story, here comes Haman, who is a valen, a senior court official, who was elevated to a very high position in the kingdom with great power. But he was angry with Mordecai, Esther's uncle, because Mordecai refused to bow down to him. Haman became more arrogant and decided to remove Mordecai. He knew Mordecai was a Jew, so he plotted not just to kill Mordecai, but to literally destroy all the Jews in the empire. So Haman hit the fast track. He painted a story to King Xerxes that the Jews in his empire is a threat to his throne and his kingdom, and they ought to be eliminated. So a royal decree was issued to kill the Jews, both young and old, men and women, all of them, on a certain date that has been established. When Mordecai heard of the plan, he came to approach Esther. He could have said to Esther, you know what? Just go to your beloved king and plead the lives of your people. Well, not so simple. In Persian culture, no one, including the queen, could go before the king without a personal invitation. Anybody who ventured to go into the presence of the king without being invited could be killed on the spot. Esther would be breaking the royal protocol and she would be risking her life. And the king had not seen Esther for the last 30 days. And when Mordecai told Esther about such a situation, this is the key text. Esther told Mordecai, remaining silence is not an option. It's a matter of time that the Jews in the empire, including Esther and her household, will be perished. And so Mordecai told Esther in chapter 4, verse 13 to 14 in the book of Esther, says, do not think in your heart that you will escape the palace any more than other Jews. In fact, uh, Mordecai told Esther, for you remain silent at this time. Relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And But this is the key text. In Esther chapter 4, verse 14, it says that, you know what, even though this is a situation that is happening, and Esther was told by Mordecai, Mordecai, and says that, who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. 
In other words, Mordecai told Esther, you know what? All this time, as a Jewish orphan, you won the contest and how God has directed your life to the palace. Perhaps you have been divinely appointed. You have been divinely positioned. You have been divinely kept to save your people for such a time as this. You know what? During this virus pandemic, is it possible that God has placed you where you are for such a time as this? Not by chance or mere coincidence, but God has divinely positioned you to be the extended hand and arm of God, to be His eyes, to be His ears. For such a time as this, to be the bearer of the good news, reflecting our Creator, our Redeemer, our Sustainer, and our Provider. You know, we thought we know so much for the moment, but this pandemic has shown uh, to us that all earthly securities can be vanished in a moment. And we recognize that God is in control of history and how God can transform a situation to an opportunity for His purpose. And God has made you unique so that you are without replication. He can use you in place and setting that you cannot even imagine and ask. And He can use nobody else. He said in Jeremiah chapter 1, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I pointed you as a prophet to the nations. The word apart means ordained. Whether you are an elder or deacon or deaconess, when you are baptized, you have been set apart. You have been ordained to ministry. And a prophet, his primary role is, is, is to be the messenger for God. So what can you do in times like this? You can call up your church members, your friends and your neighbours to, to bring hope, message and encouragement to them. You can order food for those who may be in need to send to their places. You can write words of encouragement uh, on your social media. We have enough news of the COVID-19 situation. You don't need to act on to the crisis. You can point others to Jesus. For those who are finances who are healthy, you can contribute financially to assist more people who are in need. For those of you who have children who might have left the faith, you can pray for them, care for them, and encourage them to participate in many of these online services and activities, prayer meetings and worship so that they may resurrect their faith in God. For those of you who are mothers and fathers, you have the opportunity to reset your family in terms of your priorities and values. For example, do the right thing. Have regular family worship. If it's possible, like Esther, you have been divinely positioned for such a time as this to be the spokesman for the Almighty God. You know, Billy Graham, the great evangelist, was once asked a question. I have heard many preachers better than you, but how come God has chosen you to be the evangelist to the world? Now, Billy Graham was a very humble and shy man. And he looked at him and said, You know, when I get to heaven, that will be my first question to God. Why me? Why me? God could have used others. He could have duplicated and replicated more Pauls and Peters and James and John. Even he could have uh, replicated more Ellen and James Whites. But you know what? God chooses to use you because you are unique. God has fashioned you the way He has fashioned nobody else. He wants to partner with you as broken, as weak, as sinful we may be, but through His grace, He wants to work with you for His mission, for His glory, for the urgency to share with the world that the hope coming of Jesus Christ. 
we come back to the end of the story where, em- where Esther embraced her divinely granted role and she requests all the Jews in the nation to gather for three days and three nights to fast and pray. And then she said, after that, I will go to see the king, even though it's against royal protocol. If I perish, I perish. That's her favourite saying. And if it costs her life, so be it, because she has been called for such a time as this to protect her people. So Esther made herself visible to the king, and somehow through divine guidance, King Xerxes held out his golden scepter to see Esther. Uh, the queen requested that the, uh, that the king and Haman would come to a banquet specially prepared for them. And after the first meal, only to be asked to return the next day for another feast. Now, after the first meal, interestingly, you read as a detail, Haman returned home, but he saw Mordecai. He got so upset with Mordecai. That is uh, Esther's uncle. And he decided to build a 75-foot gallows for his enemy. Interestingly, that night, the king could not sleep, and he was reading from his chronicles, uh, and he came across what Mordecai had done for him. So he discovered that he had not rewarded Mordecai. And he, he asked Haman, who was right in the palace court, and said, what should I do with this man? And Haman said, you should reward him um, generously. Uh, put on uh, your robe upon his, his, his body. Gave him your horse and gave him your crown and parade him to the city. And the king said, okay, well done, Haman. Do that for Mordecai. The tables have turned, and within the 24 hours, a second banquet with Haman and the king and Esther um, was organized. And Esther revealed the plan. And the king asked Esther, why are you so sad? What do you want? How can I help you? If you want half of my kingdom, I will give to you. This is how King Xerxes really loved his queen. And then Esther said to King Xerxes, spare my life and my people's life. Spare them because we will be destroyed. And, and the king was furious. And the king said, who dare to do such a thing to remove the life of my queen and her people? And Esther said, I'm a Jew. And the adversary and the enemy is Haman. He is the man. And the king was extremely mad. He hung Haman on his 70-foot gallows and then issued a second decree throughout the empire to allow the Jews to defend themselves and save their lives. Even in the darkest moment of Esther's life, God is with her and her people. Even as we go through this virus pandemic, God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, life is not random. They are ordered to divine purpose. There is a designer. There is a coordinator. There's a power behind all this. God literally thunders through the book of Esther. While you are going through life's difficult moments, there is an architect who is orchestrating every detail. And if you belong to Him and you are in the covenant of His love, God will accomplish His perfect will for you, in you, and through you. God can use you wherever you are for such a time as this. We call that the Esther moment. It simply means you are there and nobody else can do what you are designed to do. So this is your Esther moment. Perhaps in this virus pandemic, God has specially positioned you where you are so that you can be the hope and the bearer of the message of good hope to the people around you. The Seventh-day Adventist Church, for such a time as this, is given with the end-time message and mission, filled with our passion for God to be a channel of hope uh, in a world of chaos. 
And there are many ways to be like Esther in such a time as this. So that we need to be the hope and to bring the message of hope to them. Hope Channel Singapore is established for purpose for such a time as this. In times like this, one of the ways you can communicate uh, with the friends around you, many of them who have yet experienced the full grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can leverage on the internet platform. And Hope Channel can be the bearer of good news and message to these people. In some countries, for example, in Brazil, uh, they have invested considerable um, amount of money in the digital online Bible study. And I was told that during uh, this period of the virus pandemic, because in Brazil, most churches are shut down, they could not have worship just like we do. And the online enrollment for Bible study increases by 10 times. Um, in the last few years in Ukraine, they say that almost 50% of the Adventists who are want to church is because of the presence of the Adventist media. So I just want to show you what Hope Channel Singapore is doing uh, to reach the community and how you can participate in Hope Channel Singapore as part of digital evangelists in such a time as this. So to me, it was like, it's a death sentence, right? Because whether you go for treatment or not, you're going to die. Daily bread is a basic need. It's estimated that nearly 1 billion people in the world go to bed hungry every night. When we open the phone, will we feel disappointed? A man sat at the entrance of the London Bridge and was playing his violin. He was playing his old violin, scratching his violin with a very high pitch. His music was absolutely terrible. People walked by, would just throw a few pens into his violin case. He was hoping to collect enough money to buy him lunch. One day, an elderly statesman walked by, saw this old man playing his violin. That is painful for most listeners. He suddenly stopped, approached the elderly man and said, Sir, can I see your violin? As the elderly statesman played, the music floated across the London Bridge and people walking across the bridge would stop. They were absolutely astounded by this amazing, sweet, melodious music. And somebody said, That's Paganini, the great master violinist. Hundreds of people gathered. Soon, People are talk, taking out uh, the money from their wallets and they are not giving in a little change, but they are giving in British pounds and they were giving lots of coins. And soon the violin case was filled in no time. What is the difference? It is when the violin is in the hand of the master. When your life is like the violin in the hand of master for such a time as this, Jesus can play the beautiful music of your life through His Holy Spirit. Left to yourself, the notes that you might play sound discordant, sour notes. But when the violin of your life is placed in the hands of the Master, and when the Holy Spirit ignites the fire in you with the presence of God, your life becomes a sweet aroma to Him, a presence for God, a witness for His kingdom for such a time as this. So this is your Esther moment. Nobody can replace you. So you need to pray for wisdom, pray for direction, pray for inspiration, and pray that God will tune your heart toward Him, who is the Jehovah Jireh, 
who is the God who will provide. So I pray that in moments like this, you will not forget that you can be a star like Esther, shining for Him in this world of darkness. Shall we pray? Lord, we live in troublesome times, challenging times, difficult times. But we are encouraged by the story of Esther. So thankful that you are the same God today and you were then. And all things are being worked together by your power for our good and your eternal glory. For those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Even though the world may seem to be dark and we may shine like Esther to be your lighter star. Many find your presence in all ways and means to touch the lives of others and to bring the message of hope to them. Grant us this day hope and help us to sail through this pandemic storm with your courage, your confidence and your faith. Help us to live and rest in your sovereign providence. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.